Imagine waking up and feeling ready to face the day with a smile, having more energy for your work, family and social life, fitting into your jeans and feeling good about your body, knowing what to eat and enjoying your food without guilt or confusion, dealing with the stress of daily life in a way that doesn't fry your chips and best of all, feeling relaxed, optimistic and in control of your health. It's all possible. I will show you how. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, energized life with Straight Talking Natural Health, a no BS, tell it like it is wellness show brought to you by qualified naturopath and functional medicine practitioner, Jules Galloway. That's me. If ever there was a niche that was so needed in Australia right now, today's guest has definitely found it. When I came across her work recently, I was like, oh my God, of course, thank God for this person. You see, this guest is a naturopath who works with people living in remote and rural areas, people who don't have access to naturopathic care. And get this, she even has a health program that's just for farmers. Talk about a light bulb moment. So... A lot of our farmers are facing crisis at the moment, which can seriously impact both their physical and mental health and well-being. So I really feel like standing up and giving this guest a massive round of applause before we even start. You are an absolute legend, lady, and thank you for the work you do. Please welcome to the show the amazing Hayley Dawson. Thank you so much for having me. You've given me goosebumps uh, with that introduction, but um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Excellent. Job done. All right. No need to do any more podcasting today. (laughs) Hayley, you're a country girl yourself. So tell me, how did you end up doing all of this as a naturopath? Like naturopaths don't generally come from rural areas. So what happened? How did did this happen? Yeah. So naturopaths don't usually come from rural areas, especially I guess me. Um, I was enrolled to study ag science at uni. I um, did agricultural all through high school. I grew up on a farm. Like I was the biggest, and I, I still am a big country girl, but um, agriculture was definitely like my career pathway that I was going to go into um, until like I had my own health issues. So that's probably the story with most naturopaths. They have their own little health story and health crisis, I guess. But um, as you probably know, with burnout, I was in year 12 at school and I like to achieve highly. I don't like to do things by halves. And when I was in year 12 at school, I had to work extra hard to get the grades that I wanted to get. So when I was in year 12, I was really just working really hard to get where I wanted to be. And that lent me in digestive issues and gut issues and a whole world of things. And until um, I changed my diet and lifestyle and exercising more herbs, everything, like completely changed my life. Um, I guess like it was just at that moment, like I probably didn't really know what naturopaths really did until my mum took me to one. And it really just changed my way of thinking and after a deferring for a year I worked in agriculture as my career pathway was going to be and then a couple of years later I just wasn't happy in where I was going I deferred uni for another year and then I just bit the bullet and became a naturopath and um, like it's probably the best decision that I've made and it's really changed things for me in where I'm going with 
my health, where I'm going with my work, where I'm helping people and all sorts. Um, so that's sort of what where naturopathy sort of started from. But I guess the rural health aspect didn't really start for me until probably 18 months ago. I was just sort of a bit of a general practitioner. And then I, the people that really lit me up were farmers coming in to see me, farming families, farmers' wives, farmers, everything. I would walk out of um, seeing them and my heart was like just all warm and fuzzy and I was like, yes, they're the people I really wanted to help. So um, that's sort of where my business had formed and that, that's who I knew and, yeah, that's where I've come from. Ah, that's so awesome. So why do you think the farmers and the farmers' wives and the farmers' families lit you up so much? What is it that's so different about them? Oh, I think it, it comes from a couple of things. It comes because... I 100% know what they're going through on a day-to-day life. So um, I live on on my partner's farm um, and I grew up on a farm. Um, All my family work in agricultural farms. So I completely understand the stresses that they go through, how their days work, how their wives work. So I, I completely relate to them in that aspect. I also find that like they're not going to change completely overnight. They're not going to be your absolute perfect patient. But <laughs> like they really like, no, but they like you've got to sort of work with them a little bit. But like they're not going to stop spraying their crops and things like that. But they're going, they, they do listen to you. And if we can start to change some small things and have those conversations about, um, you know, how much meat they should be having on a, regu- on a regular basis, how much... Um, yeah, what, or educate them a little bit more as well. When they're um, spraying their crops at harvest time, I, I, or before, um, yeah, when they're uh, spraying their crops during the year, I sort of ask them, oh, what's going on in your body? Um, are you feeling tired, fatigued? Some, some have literally come to me and said they get, at um, spraying time, they get like angry and um, out, outbursts of anger. And I'm like, oh, gosh, in Chinese medicine, like that's your liver and, you know, your, your, um, that um, chemical exposure you're getting is really affecting your liver at this point oh in time. My God. <laughs> and like when they hear it like that, they're like, holy moly. Oh, okay. And then it's not just me prescribing them herbs and supplements and educating them on that sort of thing. It's also me coming from like where um, I know from my agricultural training as well. Okay. Well, have you changed your filters in your tractors at the moment? Are you using the correct, um, personal protective gear and all of those things. It's just like so, so broad that I I just love it. There's so many different facets that we can change for them. It's not just diet and lifestyle. It's like their whole sort of farming practices as well. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I've been on a little bit of a rampage there for you. (laughs) We love rampages here on the podcast. What podcast doesn't love a rampage? Um, Yeah, no, my brain just exploded because like some of the stuff you were changing, I'd never even thought of like, you know, changing filters in tractors or whatever. I was like, what? Like I'm, I'm a city chick who's moved to Byron Bay and that's my idea of roughing it like seriously like I don't know what these people are going through Um, yeah totally and that's like that's like just like my why is I I I feel like I know what they're going through and it it just that's why people I I can relate to my clients better and and on all of the things basically just because 
I live and breathe it in two lives. I live and breathe it in my naturopathic life because that I follow, like I try and practice what I preach. And then I follow it in our farming life as well because, and, and I live and breathe and I, and I know what's happening at the farm at certain times. And I know, like, say as an example, at harvest time, well, people are running on little sleep, highly stressful environments. And I try and educate them what's actually happening in their body at that point in time. How can we change it? How can we support it through this really stressful time? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I sort of blend it all together. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now you touched upon the chemicals and, and I wouldn't be a good naturopath if I didn't ask you to delve further into that because come on, we're obsessed with chemicals and, and yeah. what they do to our bodies. So what do you think the the worst ones are and what, what should we be watching out for? And what what do you see in your practice? Yeah, it's a really touchy topic. Um, it's a really, it's a really hard topic. Okay. So I definitely think, so glyphosate is obviously in the media, obviously quite a lot right around up. Um, but I think it's in the media a lot because it is quite, um, it's used quite a bit and it's probably one of the most common chemicals that we use. But there is obviously some worse ones out there that probably need to be addressed first. Oh, so <laughs> so I don't no. think, yeah, so the thing is I think Roundup's put their, um, Roundup prevents farmers from using some really, really bad chemicals. Um, so there's some things like spray seed and things like that that are really, really harsh. Um, and I, I, it scares me. It absolutely scares me that people would use those sort of chemicals. But um, I think the education is coming from both a farming point of view and a health point of view. I think farmers are being much more wary of what the chemicals they are using, but they are also faced with the, um, the challenge of trying to grow maximum um, crops for maximum yield for maximum food to try and feed a, a um, feed the country, basically. And there's statistics out there to say, um, like, in so many years will be, um, and I don't have those statistics in front of me, that we'll, we'll run out of food. And, like, our agricultural industry is so important in that aspect, but we need to find some new practices. So there's a lot of stuff going out about regenerative farming at the moment which I'm super interested in because it's basically looking after the health of the soils. So, which is basically what naturopaths do. We just look after the health of the human being. Right. So <laughs> if we can start to put nutrients back in the soils to help, um, have healthier soils because we know that our soils are very depleted. So if we can start putting nutrients back in our soils, we're going to have a better more nutritious crops. So that's a thing like nutrition coming from, I think like if we think about it, a, bro a conventional broccoli versus a homegrown broccoli. The conventional ones may look bigger, they may look greener, they may look better, but the nutrients in that is going to be a lot, uh, a lot less than your homegrown broccoli because they're going to be sprayed, they're going to be... Um, you know, given fertilizers to help increase their size and things like that. So 
it's just it's a hard topic to talk about, but I think um, I think we are moving in the right direction. Yeah. Are there other chemicals that you see? I, I know that um, you have a lot of sheep around where you and your family are as well. Like, and I always worried about my clients that are exposed to things like sheep dips and that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you know about that side of things? So there's some um, regulations that have been put in place. So um, some of the sheep dipping um, chemicals have been banned um, that used to be used quite frequently. And then the, the regulations have been a lot more strict, uh, is coming to be a lot more stricter if, if that's a short answer. Um, but it, it's still obviously used. But uh, the chemicals that they're using uh, seem to be a lot safer. Um, little emotive commas there, safer. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, how they're going about it. So, they're, um, yeah, the splashback and things like that, that's being um, attacked at the same time as well. So they're trying to find a safer alternative to sheep dipping and things like that. Yeah, right. Oh, my God, so yeah. many things. So and many things. We can talk about it for hours. <laughs> I know. So... When people are exposed to these things uh, on the farm, does that, does that trickle down to their partners and their children as well in terms of like I, I know the partners are sometimes helping to wash their clothes so they're exposed to whatever's landed on the clothes and then, of course, uh, there's all that preconception care talk that naturopaths are always banging on about about how the man's exposure to chemicals is just as important in terms of passing on like the, that to the children. So what completely, completely agree. And I think me and my partner were only having a bit of a conversation about uh, that this week um, in regards to using the same washing um, machine, because like if we put a, a load of his wash um, clothes on, which are generally just like dirty from dirt, not chemicals, then putting a clothes, um, a whitewash of mine on that, you know, they can get quite dirty. So you have to think about it, what chemicals are being um, residually left in your uh, washing machine compared to wash to wash. So that's a little bit of a scary thought. But Especially if you're things, washing like baby clothes or something. Oh, oh my God. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah. Um, so few conversations, this is what I sort of generally sort of tell people, um, two washing machines, a lot of people are doing that. Um, uh, one for the farmers or for clothes that you're using outside on the farm. So it could be the women, it could be the kids and things like that as well. Just like the dirtiest clothes. Um, but also like, um, if your husband has been out all day and has been, I don't know, like drenching sheep or spraying or something, and then comes home and before he even has a shower or changes his clothes, the kids come up and give you a hug because they've missed him all day. So mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a scary thought. So I guess my suggestion to people is try to have a shower. Um, you know, I'm lucky that we have a shower in our laundry. So coming straight in the laundry door, you take your clothes off, you pop them straight in the washing machine yourself, and then you have a shower straight away. Because, like, if you leave your clothes um, on the laundry floor, in the laundry basket, whatever, and then your partner has to come pick them up and she's touching that, then, then she's still being affected as well. So, really, you've got to put that load of washing on yourself um, to try and not expose the whole family. Wow. Yeah, so much to think you about. You know, in, in, in a separate um, 
separate, yeah, washing machine and all. Like it's really the the flow on effect is so it's so high. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. All right. What other issues do farmers face besides the chemical stuff? Oh, um, so I guess it's probably uh, we could talk about women's health and fertility as one, but I guess that's a bit of an onflow with um, chemical uh, toxicity and overloads. Um, but I guess two other things that really stand out to me, if I've got a pick, would be um, obviously mental health and that uh, isolation, the constant worry if it's going to rain, if, it's, if they're going to have too much rain and all of that, how they're going to pay for bills. Um, and then the other one would be, which it might shock some people, but um, digestive parasites. Oh, tank water. Tell <laughs> me more. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, digestive parasites. So a couple of things. Um, I see a lot of it for my area, I guess, like where I live. Not, It's not necessarily for everyone. But um, we probably have a dry period from say December to about March okay and we might get our first rain in March and there's two two ways tanks are generally set up on people's houses one they run straight off the house and straight into the tank or the tanks um, set you know a few 10 meters away from the house and it's got to go under the ground and then pumped up into the tank and they're the tanks that are causing most of the issues because the water in summer is sitting in that um, bit under the ground and whatever little bit's still sitting in there is murky and floating around in the heat of summer. And then we get the first rain and it flushes everything out and it goes straight into your water tank, which then goes straight into your drinking water. So whatever's been murking around for that um, four or five months four months um is then going into our drinking water which is then where the parasites can form oh my god not saying that that's the only way that they can come in because definitely you know you've got to wash your tanks on a regular basis and things like that but but that's a pretty big it's where i see a spike anyway right so how do you deal with that Oh, so like you can try and before a rain flush out all the pipes. So generally we know if if we're going to get a rain in the next week or something, a big rain that would affect it. So you could flush out all the pipes just before the rain to prevent it going into your water tanks. Um, You can put on filters. Um, Yeah, there's a few different ways you could go about it. Yeah, because even up here in Byron Bay, like we have a lot, of parasites because a lot of people are on tank water here like you drive five minutes ten minutes out of town and people are already on tank water and we see like a lot of blasto and a lot of diantamoeba which are like two very common parasites and yeah and we we see them like i know some people think that they're a commensal and maybe we should leave them be but we see them like in overgrowth with lots of symptoms of IBS and and that sort of stuff so yeah uh, yeah. and so even up here like people are looking for what's the best filter like I've heard there's like a UV filter that you can add onto a normal filtration system like what's the gold standard if someone wants to filter their water 
Oh, that's, uh, I'm not sure on the filters. I haven't dived deep into filter world at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I can't probably answer that one for you. But I was just going to say, um, for you guys up near Byron Bay too, and like on the coast, your rain is probably a little bit like um, more here and there and you, it sort of just comes and goes and it's probably a bit more of a semi-regular but we've sort of got that massive dry spat patch and then and then we get that rain so that's when we see it a bit more but as for the filters i have i'm yeah not yet to pick the perfect one. Oh my god it's a rabbit hole i'll tell you right now oh my gosh it's such a rabbit hole it's like um functional pathology that's a rabbit hole as well um but yeah i prefer filters. that rabbit hole <laughs> Yeah, I would probably prefer that one too. But yeah, it, and and it's the thing is, like, what's good now mightn't be good in um, twelve months' time because something new's come out, and mm-hmm. people have got to change their filters. They can always have filters on there, but if they're not changing them regularly, then that's you know, yeah, pointless. And then, and then the best filters also take out all the minerals and trace elements, oh, which means that absolutely considered to be kind of dead, but won't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but kind of dead. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot to consider. So much to consider. It's like a catch twenty two. You want to you take out some of the nasty stuff, but then you're left with nothing. So you know you're not left with all the um, minerals and stuff. It, it is really just a rabbit hole. Yeah. Talk to me about the mental health stuff because you touched on it just earlier. Uh, yeah. See many people with depression, anxiety, etc., out there in the bush, and and what do you do as a naturopath to help improve mental health out there? Yeah, so um, yeah, I think I see it. I see it definitely, but I'll probably see it where um, people come to me feeling, you know, just low energy, you know, not and don't think that they're they're depressed because there's obviously a massive stigma around mental health and, you know, they, they don't really necessarily think they've got um, depression or anxiety or anything like that. So it's really just trying to educate them on, okay, well, what's going on right now? How are you feeling? Um, you know, what can we do with it? So, you know, there's a few different things. I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, like to sort of test MTHFR where possible, um, especially if there's a family history of it. Um, so, and then I educate them on the, um, you know, why the MTHFR could be affecting their mental health and the prevalence of B vitamins when they're stressed. Um, but I would generally put them on some sort of um, liquid herb and, and changing their diet, like just educating them on the, the good foods that, that they can be eating in their diet to sort of, um, you know, uh, help overall and trying to avoid all the processed stuff because the processed stuff is just not going to fuel their, their brain function. Yeah, which is actually the perfect segue because I have so many questions around <laughs> availability of food in the bush yeah. compared to availability of food for city folk. Yeah. Uh, so do people out in the bush have access to the same kind of food choices or is it more limited and is there more processed food? What happens? Um, so we would generally, I'm getting a bit slack because I'm in a, a major town, um, you know, twice a week. Um, 
but we were generally shocked. And when we lived in, I lived in Western Australia for a while, you know, quite remotely. Um, we would generally shop uh, twice, uh, twice a month, so once a fortnight to once a month. And it's about being prepared and organised. So you sort of cook fresh things and then chuck things in the freezer. So obviously you're going to be uh, removing some nutrient value from that. But I, I still believe, you know, if you're cooking vegetables fresh and then freezing them, it's still and like in, in meals and stuff, it's still better than those takeaway options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think the biggest issue in the, the food aspect is um, takeaway options. They're limiting, they're bad, they're really horrible and people are on the road and they pick up a takeaway option sometimes, especially truck drivers and, um, you know, if a farmer's going into town to pick up, you know, dog food or supplies, then they just they, they choose a bad option because, you know, they don't have it all the time. Yeah. Um, and then the other option is, yes, I find, and it scares me like hell to think that this is, this is happening, but um, vegetables uh, from the supermarket, we're seeing so much stuff in country supermarkets that um, is from overseas. Oh, my God. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So you just, you just don't know. You just, you just can't be too sure and you sort of, you can't be looking like at every bit of fruit that you pick up to see where it's from. But I think the other day I was in the supermarket and I was going to get, oh, I can't even remember what it was. And it was like product of Australia and Mexico. So it's like, well, you don't know if you're getting an Australian <laughs> potato or a Mexican potato, so I'm not going to get any of them. Yeah, and what part of the products from Australia? The plastic bag? <laughs> possibly you know it's the whole thing like so that that sort of is scaring me more and more and I, I'm not lucky enough to have a fruit and veg shop or um thing in our area but you know th there is a lot of farmers that, and families that grow their own fruit and veg and, and that's obviously the best form that they can get um but yeah it, it's it is a bit harder I'm not gonna lie but I, I just try and educate them on just eat real food that's generally my philosophy um, mm. and try and educate them on how much starchy vegetables they're having and meat and just making sure that they're getting a variety. Yeah. Oh, I can't get over that, that irony though, like rubbing the salt into the wounds of farmers who are already suffering. Like then they go to the supermarket and there's the veg from overseas staring right back. That's just rude oh really totally rude. and like um i don't know where i was where i've heard this but um so we grow a lot of oranges uh, australia but um australian oranges i generally have a bit of a green tinge to them so they will actually send australian um oranges over to egypt to inject them with a certain product to make them ripen more and turn orange so that they come back over to australia and they look beautiful and orange. Wouldn't you prefer no. to have no. a slightly, no. slightly green orange? Yes. No, no, yeah. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm, first time in years of podcasting, I am without speech. Thank you. <laughs> Achieve something. Sorry, no, <laughs> what the? Oh, my God. Um, 
absolutely watch that it's like ridiculous how can you and i think it's really important to actually just educate australian consumers on 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 that like let's not go for perfect looking vegetables all of the time let's actually look for what's australian what's been grown locally and uh yeah go that way yes definitely (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah i do have another question regarding nutrition okay you know and i know how blokey farmers can be and how blokes in general can be and yeah, Loki. I mean, perhaps not as open to natural medicine, or maybe a- adopting like a "she'll be right" attitude. Like, oh, I'll worry about that later. I'm not sick yet. Not prioritizing yeah. their health till the last minute. Or dare I say it, not wanting to give up beer. Uh, yeah. How do you track all the bro- the blokey bloke blokes as a practitioner? Oh, um. So, well, we let's start with the beer topic. <laughs> um. <laughs> The hardest one there. Uh, alcohol is used as a um, massive uh, way to for farmers to reduce their stress, and I try and educate them that that's not a great way to do it. Um, and like, I just sort of talk to them about the ripple effect. And there is like this absolutely amazing, and I hope you don't mind me sharing it. Um, lady up near Tamworth, I want to say, but possibly uh, a bit further inland anyway um shana is her name and she's called so she has a business called sober in the country and she's doing amazing work um talking about you know why we drink and how we can drink responsibly and and not necessarily saying that you've got to drink zero alcohol but how can you um drink responsibly and not use it as that that stress response. So I sort of try and educate them a little bit more about, okay, you get home and the first thing you do is you sit down and you have a drink. Well, what can we do before you get home to try and help reduce your stress? Maybe it's going for a walk and moving your body. And then, you you know, you, you're doing other things so you're not drinking as much as well. So I, I just try and educate them on the negative effects of alcohol why we shouldn't be using it as a stress a reliever and some other options there and 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 i think most farmers generally know that they know it's not good for them but they sometimes just need someone to tell them okay let's try this for a while Mm. or if it's medicating you know if, if if alcohol's being used to kind of medicate symptoms of stress then you can see why it's kind of like well i know it's not good for me but it's making me feel less stressed in this moment yeah absolutely and and, and i think we talk about like that that numbing effect but it, it's not going to get your um your things to go away completely so what can we do to sort of help help uh get those worries that you've got to go away yeah and what about the rest of the blokey bloke bloke stuff? Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> so we talk about that. Um, so, I, I a lot of them come to me, and this is a thing that they say. I say, oh, what do you have? Like we talk about their diet, obviously. So I say, what do you have for breakfast? What do you have for lunch? What do you have for dinner? We go through it, and then we always come to dinner, and they say, oh, it's just we just eat meat and veggies, and I'm like, oh, okay, and and they think that's unhealthy, but. It's about educating them on how much vegetables you should be having versus how much meat, how much starchy vegetables. And when we sort of talk about that, 
and and give them some alternative options. They they do understand that they can still have their meat and veggies. It's just about making sure you're not having meat, white potato and peas and corn, about having a bit more of a variety and a better um, <laughs> size of meat. And, 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 they're, and they're pretty good. They are pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So they're pretty good about it. And, and we talk about like, not eating too much red meat and trying to get some seafood in there. And it's actually funny. Like a lot of them come to me like, oh, yes, that's a great idea. Like I love to have seafood. Yep, we're going to try and put that on our recipe um, rotations because I find a lot of people in rural areas have rotations. So if I can give them some recipes and ideas, you know, to add into their rotation because they might have seven meals in their rotation and they just rotate them through each week. So if I can give something else that they can put in there that's really healthy and nutritious, then, um, yeah, they're open to it. That's awesome. Yeah. And do you find that in terms of the men that you see in your practice, are they leaving it till the last minute to come and see you or are they being more proactive about their health these days? Um, a bit of both. Um, <laughs> if I, if I can change it from men to women's fertility, I see women's fertility very last minute and late and they've gone to the stage that they've got, um, they're going down IVF path and they're about to start, start their first cycle of IVF. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, but we need to do all of this other work b- beforehand and yeah that, that's a really hard one for me and I, I just I can't I get I get quite frustrated because I'm like oh you know we could be doing all of this other stuff um before you even get to that IVF first but they're just coming so late in, in the game that it's really hard they're just desperate to have a child and they'll do it at any cost why are they coming so late um, maybe uh, a number of probably things. Uh, maybe doctors just refer to the um, IVF clinics too frequently. Um, yeah, or, or just I think people get diagnosed with polycystic ovaries uh, or endometriosis um, and they just see a gynecologist and, and that's their only option but then they don't know about other options. Yeah, right. Wow. Especially yeah. in country, especially in country areas, I think. Well, I guess if you have to travel a long way to see a specialist as well, you just put it off, and you're like, ah, oh, it'll be okay. And and yeah, in the city, we've got so much more access to resources. Yeah, it's it's not that far to go and find someone who's like the exact specialist that you need to see. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but that's why I love what you do so much because, like, I've had. Skype clients myself in the past who are from very remote areas and they've said there is no naturopath within six hours drive. Absolutely. That's their radius. They're like, if it's within six hours drive, I will consider going, but there is no one. And that blows my mind because you think there's so many people out there who haven't had access to naturopathic medicine and, and nutrition as well. And that's why I love what you do because you're making it so much more accessible for people and you you work on Skype as well so you're not just limited to your local area either is that correct no yeah so I have two days a week where I see um, patients online Uh, and that's that's honestly where I, I I see my my joy as well because 
they've come to me and they're like they've found me and they're like we've got we haven't we haven't had anyone like you and you so relate to me and it's so easy and and, and I love it um so that's the area that um I, I would love to see more patients in uh, but it's about getting your message out there a little bit as well and really um building that rapport and trust with rural people um as well so yeah I, I, it's yeah it's where I love that's basically where I love it yeah it's so good it's so needed and it's so good I'm so yeah. excited for you <laughs> Thank and for you. the people you're going to be helping uh, yeah that's right <laughs> you also have a program now is it a program or a membership site tell me no it's a program so yeah I guess I'm going to jump back a little bit before we go into this, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, so uh, uh, two years ago, actually. So I was just a general naturopath for like 12 to 18 months. And two years ago, I was diagnosed with endometriosis. I was diagnosed in about November. And in November, it's a pretty busy time on the farm. And um, I just felt very isolated and disconnected and the doctors, like I, I went through this major surgery and I came out of it, one, very distressed from the anaesthetic and morphine um, and then I got home and I was in agony of pain and for like a week I just sat at home basically alone. Like my partner would come home when he wasn't working and things like that but it was extremely isolating and I was like, I just didn't find the right people that I needed to help me and I just, I just wasn't getting the answers that I wanted. And that was really that game changer moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, there's probably other people in rural areas that are feeling exactly the same way as me, isolated, don't know who can help them. And um, that's when I was like, I'm going to change it and I'm going to be that person to sort of at least point them in the right direction of who can help them. Yeah. So, so that's really where the Rural Naturopath sort of came about after that. So I help them in a couple of different ways. I've got, I do obviously one-on-one um, online appointments and in my regional clinics around um, Western Victoria. Um, but yeah, I've recently run an event for 140 women, a help rural health forum with other health professionals in our area. Oh my so God, I hope, that's awesome. Yeah, so I hope to maybe do like an online version with some other amazing online health prof professionals helping those in rural areas like OTs and physios and, and um, like fitness instructors and things like that. So that's a long-term goal for me. But yeah, the program really came. So we'll go into the program. Um, it was a four-week program at the start of the year and now I've developed it into a five-week program because um, I needed to have self-care in there because self-care is so important in the country. So it really is just an absolute kickstarter in um, those key areas that we've spoken about um, that really commonly affect those in rural areas. So we go through nutrition, we go through stress management, mental health and gut health, and then liver toxicity and energy. And I've also added in their hormones at the point as well because I have a lot of women that do it and I find that the women are the the chain of reaction so I'll see the women and then they'll go home and they'll talk to their husbands and they'll talk to other people in the community and then the um, men come in so the women are really a driving um, part of of my job and everything um, and then the final week we talk about self-care and celebration because they've just embarked on a massive 
four weeks of health journey and in that fifth week like it's really important to celebrate their achievements and look after themselves which and they need to start to schedule that into a daily practice oh that's amazing it's that's uh it's so good it's so yeah and i didn't know about the live events either that's that's crazy like you could turn it all into a, like summits and all kinds of things so yeah so oh. I, I would absolutely love to run a couple in other areas of Victoria, in of australia sorry because you know i'm just dealing with a tiny little pocket in my um area and i and i love that that physical being there and all of that so i would love to run them in a couple of different um regions of Australia but you know it does come down to funding a little bit as well um because I don't know if you've run any events but it does it's it's expensive (laughs) it's expensive running events and time consuming and all of that so I think the next step for me will be doing an online one to see how that goes yeah amazing and look online's great because then you can reach even more people yeah Absolutely. And that's the thing because, yeah, you can, you can reach more people that way and it, it, it's still bringing that connection, feeling supported, which is basically my goals in, in my business, to help people feel connected and supported in rural areas but also empowered about their health. Yeah, perfect. Well, <laughs> this has been so good. Like, honestly, this has been so good. It's just so refreshing to speak with someone who's thinking outside the square and doing something really new in the industry and with so much drive and passion so it's it's so good really uh can you thank let, you so much no worries can you let people know where they can find you and connect with you online absolutely so on facebook and instagram um i'm just my tag is the rural naturopath um and i also have twitter as well because a lot of rural people do live on Twitter, so um, not that I'm very good at it, but you can also follow me on Twitter as well. Awesome. And my website's theruralnaturopath.com. Amazing. Hayley Dawson, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom and spending some time with us today. I wish you, honestly, all the best. Uh, I think that there's so much, so much for you to do. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no worries at all. Thank you for everything that you do. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Straight Talking Natural Health. If you liked what you heard, hit subscribe. That way you'll never miss an instalment. If you're a fan, please take a moment to leave me a review on iTunes. It helps other listeners to find this podcast too. Also, check out my website at julesgalloway.com. You'll find all the podcast episodes there along with loads of blog posts and resources to help you on the path back to finding your happy, energised self again. There's also a free quiz to help you assess your risk of burnout and adrenal dysfunction. So if you've been burning the candle at both ends or maybe you've been super busy or stressed recently, take the quiz now to see where your body is at. That's at julesgalloway.com. And let's connect. Follow my adventures on Facebook and Instagram at Jules Galloway Health. Till next time, remember, look after your awesome self because it gives others permission to do the same. Bye for now.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.